Howdy ho! Hey guys, we are back with episode 46. We're just going to make this 46. I don't remember if I did 45 yet, but we're going to make this 46. So don't be thrown off. 46. Um, this is with a friend of mine named Naomi. She's from uh, South Africa. And uh, yeah, we're, we're reaching way out there now. Um, but yeah, it was a really good conversation. Um, it made me think and, um, grateful for some of the things I have just in, or like where I live, where she, where she lives is much, you know, some of the restrictions on people with disabilities are much harder. Um, but yeah, so let me just shut up. You guys, welcome my friend, Naomi. Thanks guys. All right, guys, uh, we're back with another one. And uh, again, people are always amazed at how many people I find and where they're from and all that. And um, before starting all this, I didn't have a whole lot of people to interview. Um, and I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. I guess she'll tell you. I don't remember who reached out to who in this situation. Um, but yeah, why don't you tell us where you're from and what's your name, obviously. Uh, sure, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm from Johannesburg, South Africa, and my name is Naomi Shawa. Yes. Um, now, do you remember how we met? Oh, it wasn't it? it was, uh... I think I joined some kind of a Facebook group. You know, sometimes uh, you'll join a group not knowing where it, where it's from or this is general. And I think um, it was just a disability awareness or something that I liked a page of yours and we were talking about a story, and I think we just messaged each other. Right, right, yeah. Not realizing. Yeah. <laughs> that we are very far away. Right, right, yeah. Because it was kind of surreal. I mean, I, I talked to people from the UK and Canada, but uh, when someone was like, oh, you know, whatever, you're, I was paying attention to what you were doing, and I'm in South Africa, I just kind of took notice to it. I'm like, ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we've had a few discussions beforehand, and... Uh, um, so why don't you, yeah, why don't you tell us like what your, what your condition is? Sure. So I was, um, a, a very busy child, quite sensitive, I guess. And, uh, and nobody picked up on, I suppose, a dysfunction in the fact that I was always incredibly energetic, very brave, um, quite out there. And uh, just, you know, get, I ended up partying a lot and doing two degrees and traveling the world and not, not necessarily settling, but eventually um, coming back and teaching people with disabilities and then ending up in social work, uh, specifically with mental health and people who work in these protective employment workshops where, um, you know, they're doing menial labor for very little money. And being a social worker at this organization, uh, you know, we had people with uh, intellectual limitations and people with mental health issues. And, you know, I was always on the other side of the couch um, listening um, and being grateful for the fact that maybe I wasn't experiencing the paranoia or the having to take medication. Um, and then uh, I left my job after being quite, I suppose, stressed out by just taking on a bit too much. 
and in that was October 2019 and uh, started my own company and I think also a little bit of that anxiety bit of a more than I could choose starting to feel, feel a bit anxious about this new world um, and getting overwhelmed and then uh, we were helping charities and um, you know being a boss um, and there was a lot of stress and then Corona happened and I kind of got how do I say um, contained in this house in lockdown and you know uh, also not having a, a great chest I suppose wanting to stay inside because of this respiratory disease and now I wasn't able to be out and about and do everything I used to do at warp speed and felt a little bit um, you know, I suppose locked in the house and tried to do as much as I could to save people in the uh, say in the feeding scheme sense where it was crisis so we were just trying to get people food and money was coming in and donations were coming in and it became chaotic. Who have I fed? You know, who did I send money to? Which voucher went out? Posted notes all over the house. You know, half a dressed child, half a cup of tea, half a, you know, a computer open with hundreds of tabs. And I think my husband just noticing this. Like, not okay. This kind of no boundary between home and work. Lots of needy people. Hundred messages a day of people telling me how they were starving and sending me pictures of their children who were crying. So it affected me a lot as being an empath and having to, you know, feel guilty of who I had and hadn't fed, and it was a lot. So I think I just tipped over the edge because I'd already been quite stressed and anxious. So it was almost like a a first time burnout, I guess, to run out of energy, and I was shaking, and um, I'd been. I said, talking excessively and faster than usual where people were a bit like, oh, she's, she's not really able to keep quiet and she keeps talking about work and m more just out of anxiety, but I suppose people looking at me at this in, in a different way but not actually saying anything except one of my closer friends who said she was worried about me. And I went and she was a psychiatrist and here I was unpacking my whole life and waiting for her to just say, you're just stressed. You're just stressed, you're just burnt out, you need some, you know, something to calm down. And inevitably coming out of this appointment, being told that I had like a cyclothymia, which is, you know, uh, I have functional hypermania, anxiety, ADHD. And it was, it was a knock. It was like a walking out of there in a, oh my gosh, you just diagnosed me with mental illness. Wait a second. There's something incredibly ironic about it and also incredibly painful. Um, I think the hard part was coming home and dealing with this like, realization and ending up in tears. I was so upset. I was sad and embarrassed and I was even more upset that I was sad and embarrassed that there was this conflict in me of I've been advocating for people with disabilities my whole life. That there was nothing wrong with them, and here I was crying about the fact that I had been labelled with one. Right. And that was a that was a difficult one for me because I had to deal with my own judgment of what I'd obviously felt and why if it was if there was nothing wrong with it, why was I upset about it? Right. And so yeah, I suppose the judgment, judgment and the stigma that I and I was now about to experience and was put on the other side of that as one of the patients and not 
So you went professional one. You went through life not knowing mm. what your problems were, but also living a life mm. where no one put a label on you, and now you actually got the answers that maybe you were seeking, but maybe they weren't the answers you wanted. Mm. Mm. And like uh, to, to to like try and assimilate and come to a place of acceptance of like, oh, okay, that does make a little bit of sense because I have have always felt a little bit, uh, I suppose, like I didn't necessarily fit in or I was out there very, very like brave, uh, very, very uh, like loud and on stage and a bit goofy, but um, yeah, insecure, I guess. Looked like I was confident on the outside, but never enough dysfunction for anyone to really worry. I mean, interestingly enough, and you know, not realizing it as like a normal teenage thing. Um, but yeah, like wanting to take tablets and, and, and writing terror suicide and realizing that maybe I was, you know, unhappy. And my, my father was a depressed man, went also through going into clinics and in and out of clinics and suicidal. So kind of depression, I suppose, in some sense, ran in my family and gone through two episodes, but I was quite a happy-go-lucky person. People wanted to be me in general because I was so energetic and so excitable and so creative. Um, and then once you get this diagnosis and you're like, oh, okay, that's why I'm that way. But also trying to now identify with this it's just chemicals I'm not happy and kind and lovely it's just chemicals and now they want to fix me now they want to give me medication to make me normal and I'm like but I've been functioning in the state my whole life I'm 40 <laughs> like yeah trying to wonder do I need to take it there's a place for it and that was a tough one <laughs> right what um? What was your biggest worry mm. when you were diagnosed? Well, on the one side of it, the idea of medication, because I'd come from a space where obviously people had been hospitalized or institutionalized, and uh, you know, uh, some of them obviously not able to to feel emotions and stunted and almost zombie-like, right, right. having like this idea that I, I would change, I would change as a person, wouldn't be able to. Um, be as clever and fast and um, function in that way um, and worried about how I would be looked at and judged because, uh, you know, on some level there's this idea of telling people because there's nothing wrong with it. But once you do, as the CEO of a company, you don't walk into a business presentation and say, just by the way, I'd like to let you know, have a mental illness, and then present. Now, it isn't anyone's business, but it shouldn't be something you're ashamed of. But at the same time, people look at you and go, oh, I don't know if we can trust this one. Like, how mentally ill is she? <laughs> like, right. what does that mean? You know, and, and they're not going to be um, trusted, and uh, people are going to worry. I mean, like, the first argument I had, I suppose, after the diagnosis was, like, my husband in, the, in, in, a, in, in a tearful state with, like, a, like not even understanding himself, like, are, are you having a breakdown now? Like, like I couldn't felt, feel emotions or get angry because now it was like, uh-oh, she's unhinged. <laughs> like, right. Now she's losing it. Right, now, <laughs> like, yeah, this whole time he knew yeah. you, but now now that there's an answer mm. for it or answer for some of your problems, now that's the reason for why you're reacting. 
the way you are, mm, even though it and, might have nothing yeah. to do with it. Mm, mm, and feeling angry and feeling cross about it and wanting to, um, I've always wanted to change people's perception, but it, it, it kind of, once I come to a place of acceptance and I actually make a point of telling people now because people who know me as being uh, like uh, a talkative, you know, be on a, on a stage, not shy, and advocating, and, and are, are so shocked that I can say to them, oh, by the way, I'm technically disabled. And their reaction is always, but there's nothing wrong with you. And I go, I know. But according to law, according to this diagnosis, according to the chemicals in my body that make me happier and more excited and more revved up than most people, I'm termed mentally ill. And I'm feeling quite angry by the fact that somebody could call me ill because ill is sick. I'm not sick. And I'm not disabled. And the word disabled, and that's got a negative tone to it. And feeling more, you know, like, I'm angered by the, by how powerful words are right. and what they mean and what, what, what it means to, to have to take in this label of being ill, of being not normal. And what is normal? And why, when I've been so happily functioning at a, at a, at a, what was that, like a chemically happier level than most people, why would I want to be normal? <laughs> like, right. It's, it, 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 it's much more fun up there, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I think a lot of people, I'm sure some people who are disabled or, who are, you know, they're, you know, they have this whole thing of, you know, what is it, invisible or, you know, disability, because there's a lot of dis- disabilities that are so outward, you can see, you know, he has crutches or whatever. You can tell mm-hmm. that person has a disability, and I think some people wouldn't equate what you go through as a disability, but it is medically, and people do perceive it as that because of, you know what it is. I mean, you need medic. You don't need medication for it, but just because you can't, just because you can't see it, doesn't mean it's not a disability. Um, I mean, yeah, you must imagine what it's like in the head of somebody who has seven hundred ideas in a day. But like, it's hard. I, I don't sleep. I don't sit down. I like I walk around, um, struggling to 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 just just stop. And and it's always something. There's always something to do. There's always something to be. And it's like people who get angry with some woman who just can't put on weight. You know that irritation of just like, okay, well, it's hard to lose weight. No, you skinny. You don't understand. But on the other side of being excitable and uh, it, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, and I think um, because I think a lot of people just immediately equate. You know, when someone says they're disabled, they immediately assume that they're completely broken and they don't have any you know like I said it's, it's very visible um, but then you, you look at someone who has special needs or, or you know, autism I mean again some of them are in wheelchairs and they have their problems too but you know a lot of that is internal and mental and um, mm-hmm. it's just yours is your disability isn't as bad as most but it's still a disability nonetheless um, and again a lot of these things get when, when people are uncomfortable with uh, whatever, you know, whatever that's not like them, whatever's not the norm, yeah, people yeah. put it into a category because they don't know what to do with it. Instead of learning from it and exactly. trying to figure out what it's about, they just go, oh, that's that. Um, mm. And yeah. what if, what if, 
someone had just gone, oh, she's a little bit out there, a little bit noisy, a little bit whatever, and medicated me early on in childhood, what that would have changed my trajectory if I had, you know? Right, right. Been told that this is what I am. Hmm. Yeah, you could have been a whole different person. Uh, what you see yourself as today uh, is totally different. But yeah, I don't. I don't think it should change anything with your life. I mean, honestly, you should just feel grateful that you went this whole time without not knowing in a way. Because mm-hmm. you know, now you're an adult. Now you, you know, you have your company. You have all this going for you. You have a husband. You have kill. You have kids. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're intelligent, like you're mature. You have all these things that it's like the only thing different is someone put a, a label on you. And, you know, maybe they define the thing that you were struggling to figure out about yourself, but it shouldn't change other than you just now have an answer to one of your mysteries in life. Mm. Well, this is the thing. I it just, it's, it's like if you can't see and you, you know, go, end up going to get glasses, that it's not, it's not, Seen, you know, what I say, as, as bad and, and light as a diagnosis of mental illness. Though, in, in its own way, shape, or form, it's a, okay, well, this is limiting you, or this is making you feel, you know, your heart's racing, racing and um, maybe, you know, this mood stabilizer will assist you to be normal. And this whole idea of, you know, just wanting to fix you. Um, but interestingly enough, I, I kind of wanted to find out how do I give myself the tool to not end up in that state again? You know, because a lot of people get taught the most amazing things when they end up in these rehab facilities or these clinics where they teach them about the drama triangle and they teach the proper skills so that they don't end up in these places again. And I'm going, why aren't we teaching people about this before they end up in the places? That there's so much stuff that we're not learning about, like social skill or calming yourself down skills um, and how much, you know, how much of it is just like your brain and if you can retrain it versus having to take the medication. Right. Um, you said something to me like way back when we first started talking about how you guys over in South Africa are a lot you're further behind than the United States um, when it comes mm. to a lot of these issues. Um, so, what what is it like over there for people with disabilities and these in these mental conditions? Like, how are you guys, or maybe not you per se, but how are people mm. treated mm. And, and and dealt with? Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to say. Uh, the sad part is there's, a, there's an entire myth and culture shift, um, often in the African communities, where having a child with a disability is seen as a, you've upset your ancestors, like you've been cursed. So often there's this shame, especially there, some of them kind of, I don't know, like locked in their homes while the parents will go out because they've got nowhere to take them, they can't afford care have to go and work and there's some, some, some horrific stories about how they're treated or they don't have wheelchairs for them in these rural areas so they just sit there and lie there and unstimulated and then you have these residential facilities which government government run ones that are also 
uh, not enough medication, not enough stimulation. Um, like it's not a nice space. Obviously, if you've got money and you're going to one of the upper class facilities, different if you've got medical aid. Um, but, you know, the people with disabilities that are in these protected employment workshops where they're, you know, being paid like min- not even minimum wage, less than minimum wage to package stuff for companies in an, in an attempt to like, are we giving them something to do, like a little program just for these poor disabled people in the day just to keep them busy, you know? Um, and this idea that that's all that they, they're going to amount to, that they don't even get this opportunity for tertiary education, that they're coming out of these special schools and ending up in these factory-style workshops earning such little money with no potential to grow as a person. Um, it, it, yeah, it's a really, really a sad state of affairs. And I think that there's small shifts. I mean, you know, like oh, one restaurant here and there that maybe hired someone with a disability. It's like it's few and far between where there's these success stories where we just, we're not there yet. And beyond the fact that there's not, there's, there's too much um, worry and fear and ignorance in the corporate world that the idea of having to take someone on with a disability is going to cause this, okay, they're going to have to spend money on a ramp or some other reasonable accommodation. And, um, you know, to place people with disabilities in normal like work environment is really difficult. That you just want, you know, people to be like, of course, sure. And, and even the learnerships that are being offered by government and sometimes people are put in positions and they're just tokens just to tick a box. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're still behind on what we need to be doing too. But yeah, it's not as bad as that. I mean, um, mm-hmm. even what you were saying about, you know, how people with certain mental disabilities they get uh, put in certain places. Like with here, a lot of times, if someone has a child with special needs, some people assume that it's due to incest. You know, sleeping with your relative. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not always the case. Um, I mean, it, it, it does happen, but in general, it, it's just, I mean, things just happen. I, I, you know, I don't know how do you explain the body and how these things come about, but, um, but yeah, here in the United States, I mean, people with disabilities are in, in comparison to you guys. Yeah. We're treated better. Um, but again, we're still left out on everything and, you know, we're still, the job market is horrible. Um, mm-hmm. and you have to fight for everything you, you get. Like you, you can't, it's not just like, Oh, like as soon as I sign up or, you know, go to sign up for a job and fill an application and do my interview and all that. And a lot of interviewers will just, they'll, they'll like everything I say. They, they find me motivating or inspiring in some ways. They, they, you know, they've mm-hmm. told me that, but then you get the whole, well, you know what we may call you and they never do. Um, cause once you say, you know, your problem with me is my eyes, it's like, oh, okay, well he can't do this job. Um, because they, they look at it like I couldn't do this job with his problem. So how could he, how could he, um, and that's, just a, it's just assumption. Yeah. And it's just an ignorance and a, you know, complete, you know, lack of intelligence and, and just 
you know, any kind of with all of, of knowing of, of trying to understand other people, because it's like you, you have such, some of these people have such little care for themselves and, and, and you know, they, they don't really have mm. much of an open mind because they look at it like, Oh, I, I can't do that. You know, like I can't do it. Like if you take my eyes away, my life sucks. I'm, I would give up. And it's like, you don't mm. know that one, but two, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't look at someone else and immediately assume that they couldn't because, you know, we do a lot of amazing things with what we lack. We do more with little, um, or we mm. do it more with mm. less. And, uh, so yeah, but it is amazing to see what other countries and and where they are when it comes to stuff like this. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, it was uh, something in the news uh, uh, for us <coughs> was just a life SED many hospitals where one of the clo- one of the life care hospitals closed, and people with mental health problems were in the hospital for years, and they had to move them into different facilities. And spread them out so that you know a few could go there and a few would go there, and it was done so badly that they didn't even have their documents with them. So people didn't know the names of the people or where their family members were. Medication wasn't sent with. People were like tied down on the back of buckies to just take them, you know, the back of these trucks to take them to these places. People died. Like a lot of people died because of the way it was handled, and. It's yeah, there's just a, there's just a, there's a real um, an, an ignorance, but also an, this inability to move forward to to create appropriate education and appropriate employment where it's maybe not as stressful an environment, but not the slave labor type protected employment environment that, you know, where there's nothing else but just banging away on a nail every day with nothing else right yeah mm. uh how, how did you perceive like people with disabilities before being diagnosed with one well i mean i i completely grew up with it in, in a normalized way my mother was a teacher of uh children with intellectual difficulties but like down syndrome and i grew up coming going to school with her and meeting them and they were like really friendly and loving and so disability was like normalized for me. And when I wanted to um, go into teaching, I was going to teach um, deaf people. I did sign language as a, as a actual subject. And then when I came back from traveling and I taught at the school for children with physical disabilities. Um, so I guess a part of me was uh, a part of that space. And even though it was normal for me, I suppose there was that there was this, that part of me, part of me that was the rescuer or the savior or the, I don't know, or the shame, which, which I suppose people had, you know, felt. But I, I didn't turn a blind eye to it. I guess I wanted to go into that space and do something. But I had a much more open mind about disability than most. Right. Do you and find it like now? Do you find like a, just mm. irony now that you actually have been diagnosed with one? Mm. Like this whole mm. time you so had the funny one. Thing is, <laughs> and the funny thing is, uh, the people, especially um, in the mental health facilities, like really, really, we got on well. They always said how approachable I was and down to earth. And then I started to wonder, like, okay, maybe they're just like, they're seeing a bit of themselves in me. And <laughs> uh, But I think part of it, 
as just being, uh, I don't know, accepting of people and giving them the time of day to have like a, a have a chat and how you're doing and, um, you know, that they're just, they could be your friends if they weren't patient, that right. it wasn't inappropriate. But, um, yeah, like people who won't befriend them on Facebook because, yeah. you know, oh, they're like, I don't know, are they less than or whatever. And, I mean, you know, now that I don't work in that space, necessarily with them anymore I have my own company a lot of them are on my Facebook and, and you know on wanting to chat and spend time with me and yeah it's, 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 it's an interesting different space now yeah well that and you know if they know that you have uh, an issue yourself they're more they're more likely to trust you and, and feel like you understand mm. what they're going through whereas a lot of mm-hmm. times people uh, yeah. who don't have a disability or any kind of mental problems they immediately look mm. at them like outsiders, and that you're probably gonna, you're probably judging them from from your point yeah. of view. Yeah, I, I suppose the the idea of changing people's mindsets and their perceptions of it just grew stronger when I wasn't advocating for them and started advocating for us. In this, you know, we were wrong about gay people. We tried to lobotomize them in South Africa. We were wrong about black people, and in a way that. You know, we denied them education was apartheid. And I'm pushing for the same kind of, can you just shift your mind out of the space because we've been wrong about people with disabilities, that in any other aspect of your life, you celebrate difference. You go, oh, wow, this flower, I've never seen one before. So beautiful, so different. Mm-hmm. And then people can be different in, 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 in the way they talk, in the way they walk, in the way they they are, and and to just put them in a box and be like, oh, you're not like us. You don't look like this. Yeah. You must go over there where we, where we can't see you. you know? and, and this, this idea that, that they must, hmm, they don't belong or that they are, you know, uh, they need to be taken out of their home where their mother and their fathers are to be put away because it's too hard to look after them. Right. Well, I think and making make yeah making their lives more difficult. <laughs> yeah, I think the difference between those and which it sh- I mean it, it really shouldn't be, but the difference is, you know, like even when people come over here from other countries and so on, they have a pride, they have a flag, they have whatever. Like people are proud to be that. No one's proud to be disabled. You know, we don't have a flag. We mm. don't have any culture. We don't have any. Um, mm. you know, we don't we don't have people. We don't have a day. You know, like there's Black History Month. We don't. We're never gonna have Disabled History Month. You know, we're not, there's no, there's no, you know, like there's gay pride week or, or, you know, like people Uh, have parades uh, and stuff. uh, Yeah. No one has that for us. Oh, well, we, we, we have a day in September or something. It used to be casual day. Uh, I think it's all casual, but they, you know, there's like corporates are supposed to dress up or people are supposed to dress up in the theme to celebrate people with disabilities, but then you can buy some paraphernalia and the money goes to some of the national uh, charities. But it's That's not cool. a, you, you have to like sell stickers to wear on the day, and it's just not very well run. Oh, but okay. one day it will be due. It's not that amazing. But I it's something. That much, but you got to start it's somewhere. Something, I guess. Mm. I mean, it's not great, but it's at least, I mean, like I said, that we have little yeah. things, but yeah, like I said, we don't have these giant events. Mm. That. I mean, what's driving me? To succeed with this company 
is just the fact that I could be on a world stage and people can say, oh, wow, look at that. She's, you know, she, she, her ideas assisted to solve a lot of social ills and she connected charities to corporates and, uh, you know, just this idea that there's this, this great success on the other side of this so that I can stand there looking at people and say, now what do you see? Because you, you can't assimilate the two, which is the disabled and mentally ill judgment and the fact that you could run an entire company that's so successful and also have a disability and also be mentally ill because it doesn't, you know, and there'll be people in many jobs that won't say anything about their mental health out of fear of being judged. But if somebody succeeds and is able to say, hey, listen, <laughs> you know, you, have, you need to look at this differently. I feel like that's a big part of my journey right now. Right. You want the disability to come after the also. You don't want to be, you want to be Naomi who so happily has a disability, mm -hmm. not the girl with the disability whose name is Naomi. Because, it, 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 yeah, because that's that's what usually everyone wants to see. And your name comes second and who you are and what you're about is really not what people identify when it comes to people with disabilities. They identify what, what you know, they're afraid of. It's like, oh, okay, you're blind, so, you know, you're, you're the blind guy. But your name is so-and-so. Mm -mm -mm -mm. And it doesn't define you. And that... It's also possible if you harness the the, the the different ability, because it's yeah to, to disable a bomb, to stop a bomb. Like the whole word disability is negative. I suppose we've come a long way from the handicapped, the cap in hand, where it comes from, begging, or even worse, retarded, or like it's just. At least there's some time shift towards a change, but we have a long way to go. It's just a, when a child sees a, a, someone in a wheelchair and says to his mommy, like, what's that, what's that? And, and the first response is, shame, they're, they're sick. Don't look, my boy. Shame. Hmm. And, that, and that's the start. That's the start of the problem. There's this perpetuated circle of this sickness this function, this cannot be in the world, shame, shame, shame. Yeah. Um, mm. As you talked about it, you didn't really completely go into it, but what, what is it that you do for a living? So uh, I'm a qualified teacher and a qualified social worker, and my, uh, my leap of faith out of my uh, job after kind of working in a protected employment space with people with disabilities and then working in the mental health areas of like um, entertainment and stimulating day programs for the residents who live there. And when I left, I wanted to take my learnings to the other organizations that were not as um, well-resourced and uh, uh, trying to find sustainable ways to let the charities grow and uh, affordable education for people with disabilities, appropriate education and entertainment where, you know, you'd have a, a mid-year function and you, they can't afford to bring in entertainment. And even if they did, it wouldn't be appropriate for 
can't play bingo with people who don't understand numbers and letters. So just shifting that to like doing it in pictures. And basically, the company is a social enterprise that specializes in using technology to connect people on different platforms that um, connect them to opportunities, to relevant information, resources. We're sharing our skills and our donations. So it's a very positive, non-judgmental space. We, we have a WhatsApp group where we're teaching people sign language. We have a WhatsApp group where we are teaching it to ourselves, like how to love yourself, mental health support. There's a membership platform where my um, the members will pay a certain amount of money for us to assist them with proposals and entertaining their beneficiaries and training their staff. Kind of like a one-stop shop where you can go and get skilled volunteers and help in a in a very um, anxiety-provoking space as a social worker in an organization. It's like a constant, are we going to make it to the next month? The beneficiaries are bored and waiting to die because of no family or no money or lockdown. It's a really, really difficult space for people who are running those organizations are burning out. You know, just the supportive platform that attempts to give them some kind of support because if they burn out and these organizations start to close their doors because of lack of funding, I just, I'm fearful for what's going to happen to these thousands and thousands of hungry people mm-hmm. that have been standing in these queues waiting for food. And it's, it's slowly happening. And it's just it's the divide between the wealthy and the poor here is just huge. Houses and gardens and mansions and then just around the corner these literally shacks where people are, are sleeping on cement floors and they don't have data, they don't have show mats and they don't have Netflix and they don't have food and they've got kids crying and other people are sitting in their, you know, in their swimming pools and they're eating, overeating and complaining about their life. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, we have similar stuff like that where it's just certain neighborhoods and uh, I know in California, you know, a lot of the really big homeless populations are very close to some of the uh, rich areas. Um, so, I mean, maybe not the shacks and all that, but we, we have, we're, we're, we're still behind in that aspect. And the homeless population continues to go up due to COVID. Um, so that, there's that. Um, that's what I wanted to ask you. Oh, yeah, it's like, do you, now being diagnosed, do you feel like you have a certain urgency or a certain responsibility now more so than you did before to help people with disabilities? Now being one? Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, no, I think that it's just, it's just um, how do I say, it revved me up in such a way that it's, um, I, I want the the stigma and the perception change to happen. And I think that being on the other spectrum, because uh, you might just go, oh, well, you've got the good, you've got the good one. You're, you're not in the depressive side of the under, you're on the other side of the overly excited, revved up all the time, you know, talkative. But if it's still considered a, a, a mental illness, whether it's the higher, down, up, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that this, this, this label causes most of the problems. And the, the shift in people's perception is going to hopefully be that we need to be more inclusive where 
a poster came out the other day that there are only 2% of the centers where sexual assault cases and rapes are, um, you know, um, reported. Only 2% of them have interpreters. That means 98% of the places are inaccessible for people who are deaf, who are more vulnerable to rape because they're not verbal and able to sometimes communicate. And uh, it's not okay. It's not okay. No. So the corruption and the money get that gets pumped into the wrong hands here, where people are literally just yeah dying and, and there's just zero opportunity for people with disabilities really to to get work unless you fit into the, the, the more sexy disability of the wheelchair, but everything else is fine because that's the easiest one to place. And, and in South Africa, if you're a black disabled woman, you, you are the most points. You get the most points in a company when you hire the most marginalized of the most marginalized. That, um, you know, they, they, they'll be seeking them out just to fill a quota. Yeah, makes them look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so not for the real reason. Right. So there's, there's a lot of things that need to be worked on. And I think that on some level, being having a bird's eye view and being in a space that isn't a begging NPO space but in a social enterprise company space where I'll be talking to businesswomen and the other day I was speaking to a, 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 one of these pageant queens who, you know, I was looking to be an ambassador for a cause and, and, and just being that middle person to go, well, well, if you've got the voice and the platform you need to make as much noise as possible, please. <laughs> I'm going to right. use you, and because you know, I'm not—I mean, I'm, I'm not a celebrity. I'm by certainly making waves because I'm not shy and I'm making as much noise as I can. But it's—it's it, it's a long road, and I suppose it's this idea of a vision of a world where we're all equal and whether you're gay or whether you're disabled or whether you're from a different country, that you're just a human and just wishing that we could be there. And we have to start somewhere, like being the person who stands up and says, hey, that's not okay. We don't joke about people in wheelchairs or women's breasts or whatever it is that they're doing. Like to stand up and have that courage, that's what we need to do. We need more of those people because we're just so used to laughing at each other's failures and we like to highlight that in people it's hard to right. you know to, to admit <clears throat> well i think our a, own fault yeah well i think a lot of people who tend to make fun of other people for their issues are people who have been made fun of for something else and they want to look like they're not mm. below that person it's like you know if someone's in a wheelchair it's like well clearly i'm better than that person i can walk um, oh. or it's like, you know, mm-hmm. in my case, I could easily do that and say like, well, I, I'm not blind, so I'm better than blind people. I just not better than people at sight. Like it, it's just a trickle down thing. It, it's so silly. Um, but mm-hmm. I like what you're doing because like you, you clearly don't have to care, uh, whether, even if you knew you had a disability years ago, like your disability, you could technically hide yours more than most. And you could just kind of go along with your life and people wouldn't know. And, uh, you don't have to care. Like you can hide it. And but you still come back and you still want to put the effort in and you still want to help, uh, and that's mm. a lot of people don't 
you know, a lot of people in your shoes probably wouldn't do what you're doing because like I said, people don't want to be known and depending also where you're, where you're from too. But if, you know, telling someone you're disabled is like a death sentence to some people, which is ridiculous. But for you, it's like, you, you know, yeah, it took you a minute to kind of come to terms with it. Cause you're so, you know, you're much older now and people told you like, Hey, mm-hmm. now they're telling you now when, you know, it's, it's something you've been trying to figure out for all this time. But, um, but still, it's it's like, you know, a lot of people would just kind of run away from it or just forget about it and go, okay, whatever, that's what they think. And um, no one mm-hmm. no one knows, so why, why should it matter? Um, but you, you're actually kind of wearing it yeah. like a badge of honor and you're just mm-hmm. going out there and trying to make some real change, which is very commendable. Thanks. Hoping to, hoping to. And uh, uh, I think it's just more someone's able to say, hey, I have this. It is what it is. You know, oh, I had a miscarriage. It is what it is. But it's a somebody hears that and looks and goes, oh my, me too. Thank you so much for just being open about it because it, it, it's a vulnerable space. Yes, I'm at risk of people knowing what they'll judge me for and what. But at the end of the day, that if, I, if I'm quiet about it, I'm carrying on the absolute shame of that there's something wrong and there isn't. It's like we all chemically have a makeup and some chemicals, you know, cause us to feel certain ways. And uh, we, some people socially can't be with others. Some people are really, you know, challenged in other ways. But we are, the mind, the mind is so powerful and, and it's not treated with respect. I think half of the, mental health disorders that are out there we have created <laughs> and then we find medicine to help ourselves right. with the stress and anxiety that we are we are creating in our children, in ourselves. It's interesting that there's different disorders in different cultures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it makes you think. So I just hope that there'll be a be a time where just we, we look at it as this how do I say it? It's just a daily thing. It is the, the, the chair is a vehicle that, you know, people are, are struggling daily. And when you can't, you know, go and see a psychiatrist or psychologist because you're so embarrassed or worried about people knowing or seeing, and then you end up, you know, having a breakdown or killing yourself over it, that, that there's nothing, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And there's no, like, there's no scientific discovery or any, anything anywhere it says how much the brain, like how much we can endure and how much we can overcome and like how, how much mm. you can manipulate the mind and change how you are and, and what you're about. Mm. Um, it, it really does come down to everything is mental and it's like, there's so much we could do with it. But you know, when you look at it on paper, everything is just like, well, you know, if you're diagnosed with this and you're this and you're that, like you're not meant to do this. And, but it's like, you don't know that. Like I interviewed a woman, uh, I think, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, and she had a stroke uh, that was a 99% chance she was going to die. 99%. Mm-hmm. And now she's running marathons, mm-hmm. and she's, you know, doing all these amazing things, uh-huh. and she's living her life. And she's got, like, little ticks, like, you know, sometimes it's hard for her to kind of remember certain words and stuff. But that is her only problem, mm-hmm. if you want to call that a problem. Wow. I mean, I think everyone kind of has that problem anyway. Mm-hmm. But that is her one problem. And it's like, but medically... 
They said it was impossible for her to mm-hmm. come out of it. And she came out of it and now she's fully functional and she does everything that she could do plus more because now she's more inspired by her mm-hmm. own story and she can do uh-huh. so much that it's like you, yeah. there's nothing and there's no discovery that says that that's even possible. So if that's the case, mm-hmm. then we need like to figure out a tap into power. that. Yeah, <clears throat> it mm-hmm. absolutely is. And that that's where I've been learning over this journey of, you know, people with disabilities, excuse me, people with disabilities are the closest things to superheroes. Like we have to overcome everything and what we're, you know, we have these things that make us look different and people shun us and whatever, but we, we endure so much and, and people praise other people mm-hmm. for going to war and coming back with a missing limb or something. Cause that's cool. But we don't have a choice. We didn't pick to go to battle. You know, we, whatever, we come to battle with whatever we have and whatever we lack mm-hmm. and we do it on a daily basis and life looks at us and makes us feel like uh-huh. we're less than, but in reality, we probably have a lot more to offer than the average person because again, like we yeah. have, we have empathy and we, we have the ability to look at oh. people and, and, and learn. And, and we actually don't just look at the obvious bullshit that's put in front of you and just go like, Oh, okay. That we should just yeah. go along with that. And that's why I said like the people who, no, of course. Yeah, the people who see the most see the least and the people who see the least see the most. And I was using that in reference to being visually impaired and having crappy vision. And I see people with sight, a perfect sight, and they don't see anything. And I I'm, I can pick up, I mean, maybe my vision is blurry, but I pick up on everything else emotionally. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I pick up on so many things and I'm, I'm willing to learn and, and understand people and not just look at them. And it's like, oh, you're darker than me. So, you know, you're clearly not good. You're not better than me. Um, and so, but then the people who have everything and don't have many problems and, and, and literally their problems are, you know, whatever, they're having a tough day at work or whatever. They, they take everything for granted and they make everything so much harder for everyone else. Um, and we're all just one accident away from being, you know, one limb or in a wheelchair. And I just, I think that's one of the, the things that people, oh, it's not my problem, and thank God it's not me. And, and just the idea that once you, once you, you or a family member ends up in that state, then you start to realize what really is something you've been turning a blind eye to, that you were part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, my, now, my problem mm-hmm. was caused by a, a high intake of medication, which everyone takes wow. medication, but most people's skin don't burn off, and most people don't lose their sight. So it's like, I think everyone doesn't understand, like, you know, yeah, I mean, everyone knows if you get into a car accident, you get paralyzed and, you know, the obvious stuff, but mine seems more obvious than it should be, but it isn't. Um, And it's like, there's so many things, like, we're all one, even again, I'm one step away from being disabled times two. I'm not looking forward to that. I'm not hoping that happens, but the reality is like, you know, like I said, I also have crappy vision, so... I could make one false move and walk into traffic mm. accidentally, which I don't because I'm I'm pretty self-aware of my surroundings. But again, you never know what could happen. And it's like mm. people, sometimes sometimes I feel better off being who I am than, than the average person just because of like people are so dumb to the idea of what could actually mm. li- literally happen to them. They think everything is so easy and, and life is just, you know, la-dee-dee, la-dee-da type of ordeal. But you you can be like me so judging me and putting me down and making my life harder again i do believe in karma 
And it's like, and not saying I want those, you know, them to feel what I feel, but it's like, man, like, don't, don't go through a life, go through all of life and just beating down people who you find weaker than you. And then you get to a certain place. And then what happens if your kid grows up with a disability? Now you have to live with that guilt your whole life. And now your kid has to go through that. Um, Definitely. I mean, there's, there's, there'll be talks that I do at schools and, and, and for employees of companies and in an attempt to give them, I mean, you can't really um, uh, simulate a mental health problem, but in terms of, you know, having to do make a sandwich with the arms behind their back or having to try and communicate with marshmallows in their mouth. But the activities and just slowly highlighting it, and, and a lot of them just have just never thought about it or never really been told or they've been shunned away from people with disabilities and it's just so it's so sad that it's just a, a an on the side thing that, it's, that that some people can actually live quite a long time and not have even met anyone right. with disabilities what I find amazing about this is like look you're we're two people that met online and we have the same common goal we have two totally different conditions and um you know we live in two different parts of the world it's not even close and it's like you know this is what we need um i don't just need people from the states helping me i I don't just need people from north america like i need you know you and i need each other um and to find more people on the same page because it's a one of the things that you know my company is called connect which stands for charitable opportunities networking employability connecting kindness through technology and it really is just like-minded people finding each other through technology that are just vibing at the same frequency that believe the same thing and want the same things and realize that there's enough space at the finish line for all of us right yeah i mean i i don't feel like every i mean things aren't equal in most instances like men and women aren't equal physically in certain things like things things mm-hmm. there's certain things that you can't help but you can help pay scales and you can help um you know there's people that over work really hard like i've met a lot of disabled people who work and they, they're some of the best workers i've ever met and it's like mm-hmm. just we just want fairness we want fairness opportunity i'm not saying you know, like, I I don't think you should just hire someone because they're black over a white person just because you need to fill your quota. You need to hire the best candidate. It's not like I could go yeah. into my grocery store and it's all black people. I don't care as long as they're good at what they do. I don't care what they look like. Just be good workers, you know, and, and do what you're there to do. And and we're good. We're good. But it's it's. You know, so that that's the fairness that we 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 seek. We just want people to have equal opportunity. We don't want special services provided for us. We don't need any of that. You know, a lot of us would give up our disability in a heartbeat if, uh, you know, our, our special. You know, we would give up that if we knew jobs were just willing to even accept us and and take us in their interviews. Um, and I told you before, like disability here is just a a check we get every month. Um, for being disabled, um, and it's cool, but it's a lot of people think that's our like end all be all. Like, well, you're getting that, so you must be living great. And it's like, no, my disability covers my rent. That's it. That's all it covers. Mm. It doesn't cover anything else. So I have to work. 
Uh, unless I want to live with my family. Like, if I want to live with my family, then, yeah, disability is a little better, I guess. Um, but it's like, yeah, like, we, all we want is just, you know, like when it comes to equality, a lot of people use that word and think, like, everyone tomorrow is just going to be equal in every way, shape, or form. No, physically, and there's certain, there's just certain things that aren't meant to be equal. And that's, you take that up with your God or, or whoever you want to take that up with. But overall, just the idea of just simple life being equal for every person. There shouldn't be signs saying this person can't go in there and, you know, these people can't talk to each other. And, and so that's it's all it is. Just let us be let us let us join the, the you know the table. Let it, let us have yeah, a voice. It's that minority thing. I mean, as uh, much as it is the, the racism that was in the country, is that they can't see that they're marginalizing another whole community of people because they don't fit or they're not the same or less of them or just too much of a mission or an effort to do the things to include them. And you just have to go, well, who's disabling who? Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, especially, and weirdly enough, a lot of people who have say when it comes to people with disabilities are people who aren't even disabled. They just yeah. make decisions and it makes them look good. And, you know, there's a lot of these jobs that we have in, in, in the United States, at least, where, you know, there's a lot of these jobs that just, you know, have these nonprofits and these places that will hire people with disabilities and use them as their, you know, their logo and, and, and every, you know, to create money uh, or to create jobs and, and, and put money into that company. They use that disability or disabled people to go, look, we hire them and you need to feel bad for them. So give us money. And then when they pour money into that, when people actually, you know, take time out of their day and, and money out of their accounts to go, oh my God, we should, we should pay for this machine and this and that. Uh, these people should have that. Then the people who they donated for don't ever really see that kind of money. They don't see the benefits of it. They are just the ones mm. that, you know, like you said, make, you know, here they can't make less than minimum wage, but make minimum wage or barely above it. And they just have to sit there and just do all the hard work and labor but don't see anywhere near the financial gain that they should see from it. Um, and, yeah. and they're the ones that don't like the people who get the, the praise for what they do are the people that give us the jobs. They're the ones that they're like, Oh wow. Like, look how good you are to them. And Oh, it's so amazing that you give them jobs, <laughs> but it's like, they don't yeah. do anything that yes, they, they, they say you're allowed to have this job, but at the end of the day, we do all the work. We make them more money than they make us. And, you know, that they give us and, and, you know, they don't do anything. They're, they're lackluster in, in their work ethic. They don't have to do much. They sit and collect all the benefits that we get. And, uh, you know, and, and again, and look good in the process. Yeah. And, and, and then, yeah, and look good. And they look like the, 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 the parents, you know, it's like, oh, you take care of them. You're like your step parents. Like, oh, you do so well with them and you don't even really know them well. But, oh, it's great. Instead of like, there's a blind guy going from one place to another place all over the building, traveling and then going back to his job and doing this and doing that. It's like, isn't that more amazing that that blind guy is working with this heavy machinery? Oh, no, no. We'll, we'll give the, the fat guy behind the desk the, the praise who doesn't get out of his chair. will never get his fingers nails dirty. We're going to praise that person. It's like, I don't understand. So it's like, yeah, like I said, it's just equal opportunity, man. Like, we don't, 
I don't want someone to give me a job because they feel bad for me. I just want someone to give me a job because they know I'm a hard worker and I'm actually going to put the time and effort in. Um, Definitely. And then it's just, just before you even get an opportunity to try doing the job, you've already been judged as a, well, you probably can't. Yeah. Like I thought of something you said earlier, because I, I, when I first started getting into the dating world, I wouldn't tell girls that I had a vision problem because um, you would just talk mm. to them on the phone and so on. And, and you wanted to see how someone would treat you and then spring it on them and go like, ha, I'm visually impaired. Now what do you think of me? And then you would see if they would change. And, and a lot of times they would. And again, I just realized mm. like I should just start owning what I am and who cares what people think. But you do see the change and it, it, it's very disheartening because it's like, man, like I'm me. Like, what? Well, why am I different? Just because I told you my eyes are a little broken. Um, yeah, that's not fair, is it? No, but again, I don't look for fairness either. Like, I know life is unfair, so I'm not. I'm not mm. looking for absolute fairness because you know some of the unfairness is what made me who I am. You know, the, mm. the, everyone telling me no and the rejection and and, and all that, like. It's made me who I am and, and not all for the good either. Cause of course I have a lot of anger and I have a lot of sadness and so on that I try to deal with, uh, which is the mental health stuff. But <clears throat> you know, I'm still a good person. I'm trying, I'm making sure I don't lose what's left of me and I'm trying to, I'm trying to be a functional citizen and just be who I am. And, and I'm trying to make a small amount of difference like you are in this world. Um, there's too much oh. bad energy being put into this world and not, and there's very little good, or at least very little good that's highlighted. Um, yeah. And then that's why I said, like, people like we, you and I needed to meet because we need to, because I don't, even after this interview, like, I don't, I still want to be your friend. I still want to make sure, you know, you're doing okay and we support each other because, like okay. I said, I need you. It's, it's not, I don't, I don't need to feel embarrassed that I need others to make a change. No, of course. Yeah. Just, it's, it, it, it's a, it's it's a tough world, and I think that having support in your inner circle is one thing. But actually, what what's transpired through um, connect groups is this incredibly supportive family. You know, we call each other dots because we're connecting the dots. So you're another dot, but now you've made connect international. <laughs> so the okay. idea that support can come from anywhere, right? That it doesn't matter because whatever skill or knowledge that you might be able to share, we met someone else also, I think, California. His name's Nick from Kaleidoscope and also interesting organization helping um, charities with digital marketing and media. And just uh, that somebody, again, who is just like-minded and has the same idea of why are we trying to do everything alone? Generally, we're social creatures and we're pretending that everything's fine on Facebook with a big smile on our face, but it's not. Like Nobody is perfect and we are all broken. And if we can just admit to that, because I truly believe if you can heal yourself, you will heal the world because it's the, it's the person who didn't get the tools and didn't get the love and didn't get the connection they needed that's creating gender-based violence. And, and it's angry, desperate, hungry, sad, stressed people who aren't being held, that don't have enough money to go and see these therapists or whatever it is, get the medication they need. And we're all just pretending that we're okay because it's too embarrassing or hard 
which shows weakness and actually I think the ability to say I'm not okay takes an immense amount of courage yeah and I, I also find a lot of the people who are broken and the people that are hurting and, and don't get a lot of that love and attention and affection are the ones that are usually trying to put it put it back into the world um mm. you know with me like I'm always trying to help people and I, I didn't get a lot of love um, I had a very, you know, I had a very rough life, but I, I continue to, and I'm not I'm just using me as an example because I'm one of the ones I know, but, you know, I, I'm, I constantly try to give back and I constantly try to make a difference. And yeah, maybe I should make more time for myself as well, but, um, but I'm, you know, I, I, risk yeah, but I, I don't want people to go through what I went through. I don't want people to be alone. I don't want people to be neglected. I want people to actually feel good. Um, Mm, and just the fact that they could pick up the phone or or find solace in the fact somebody does care and doesn't judge and wants to listen is sometimes enough that uh, you know even the pressure to be a good mother and this idea that you know oh my goodness I must know everything and and, and having uh, people who don't have support or the money to you know phone a nurse or lactation specialist or even to be just googling it, that they're they're sitting there struggling, breastfeeding, and it's really tough. But again, everyone just expects the other people to know what to do. You're a mum, you're a woman, and we don't even talk about that. The people literally struggling with postpartum depression and and not knowing what to do, and we don't talk about it. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> right? Yeah. Being a mom does that like make your your senses kind of shoot up a little more where you're constantly more aware because you can kind of internalize and deal with your own problems, but you're kind of the protector for your children. I mean, you are the protector of your children. So, uh, is it, uh, do you, do you worry more about them and, and what, what the world they're going into? Well, I think I'm very aware of the fact that any of my own anxieties and how much is this genetic and, uh, you know, my husband as well kind of getting at his own ADHD diagnosis and that like, a, oh goodness, the children now certainly going to have to have something. But in, in, in so much of a, how do I prevent them from getting so stressed out that they end up needing medication? Can I give them the tools now to help them through what is an incredibly difficult world? And interestingly enough, though, because I'm, uh, you know, the youngest, uh, well, Ethan was going to go into um, first grade, uh, you know, and he had the first like, few months of schooling and then Corona happened. So since my mother used to teach, she's come to help. And the idea that the world hasn't gotten hold of him yet, that he doesn't have the anxieties of rushing to school in the morning, that he's not being ridiculed or bullied or told that, you know, he's just not enough, or good enough, or being compared to other kids, I'm actually quite... Um, I'm glad for it because I think the confidence he's, he's building such a confidence and so many skills that when he's able to go out there and deal with what is a harsh, cruel world, I think he'll be more ready with the silly lessons that you know that are important in life. That I don't think they really they they don't they push academic rubbish in school, and your head gets filled with some of the stuff that you never even use in your life. And then you really got a bunch of people walking around with stuff in their head, but they're all depressed and sad and lonely and hating themselves. So I'm just very cognizant of how much of my own stuff I put on them and how anxious 
I am and what does that mean for them and how can I prevent that um, affecting their lives. Right. Yeah, that's something I don't have to worry about not having any kids, but yeah, I'm sure that especially as a mother, it's got to be something you got to be cognizant mm -hmm. of. You never know what how we impact them, especially the older they get. Um, Definitely. But yeah, this was fun. I'm glad you did this. I'm glad we finally. Thank had, you, thank you for it. Yeah, I'm glad we had time. I time appreciate to the time, and it's nice to have yeah a nice chat and uh, to be open about it, and to have somebody who is the voice of people who are unable to speak out. And hopefully, the more we do this kind of thing, the more people hear that. It's it's actually normal to be abnormal. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being different. And like I said, the ones who are like us, like we have to, we have to support each other and we have to stick together because there's no one coming to save us. So why not take well, care of each it. other? That's it. One day, maybe we'll meet. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, well, <laughs> like I said, restrictions are starting to open up here, so we're 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 getting somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll figure something out. We just gotta take care of yourself. Yeah, you too. Um, Thank you for the call. Yeah, of course. And uh, I'll let you know when it comes out. I gotta put it all together and all that. But perfect. But yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course. We'll talk. Okay, then. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Hey guys, that was fun. I didn't know where it was going, and I was kind of in a weird mood just to a so-called friend kind of piss me off with their nonsense. But, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm good, I promise. Um, yeah, and so I turned the mic because this mic picks up so much noise and what goes on outside. And I can hear it in my headphones, and I never know what. Like, my stomach started growling, so I, I always mute the mic. So, like, I'll, I'll be talking. See, it fades out. So if I hit the button, I could silence me and let her talk. Uh, so I try, hi, buddy. And this guy, he's always trying to jump in. He's he's hitting the boom arm and moving the mic away from my face and knocking stuff off. And sometimes I instigate him because I'll get his little, uh, uh, what do you call it? The little red little, uh, what do you call it? Damn, damn, what do you call this thing, bullet? The little red dot majiggy. Um, and I, I kind of, I'll start shooting it all over the apartment. He'll, he'll get up and go, what's going on? Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, that, that was fun. I, I enjoyed doing that. Um, I love having new people on the podcast, especially all over the world to see what their mindsets are about. Um, oh, hi buddy. He jumped on the couch. Oh, another thing I wanted to say was like some of the noise that gets picked up by the mic. I never know like what it picks up. So like. When you hear this, it's just my keys. Like, it literally just sounds like I got some big-ass chains on or something. It's just my keys, but the mic picks it up so easily. It's just, um, and it's not, like, crazy close to it. It's just the noise it picks up is amazing. Uh, that's why I have to start turning off the, the kitty fountain because, like I said, it literally sounds like I'm in an aquarium. It's ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, guys, that was another good one. Um you should be able to understand her. I mean, she has a an accent, but I understood everything she said. So, if you don't, open up your ears. Um, yeah, like I said, just trying to stay positive and, and try to continue 
um, moving forward and just trying to be a voice and trying to do something that's just good and put some energy into this world. And if you want to hear Bullet Purr, let me put the mic down. <laughs> good boys. I didn't know how good that would work, but it worked way too well. <laughs> Funny. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I like to say, I can't even talk today. I think I'm just, I think I took too long. I took a nap. It was too long and now I'm just like groggy and irritable. Um, but yeah, so thank you for all your support. I love you guys. I say that every episode because I mean it. This isn't just my show. This is our show. I want to make a difference and I think we're slowly getting there. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll see you guys on episode. Well, I don't even know what this will be. Uh, you'll find out when you hear the intro. Uh, but yeah, I'll see you guys later. Bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye, bye bye.